Hi, everyone. I am with my friend and colleague and inspiration, Monica. Monica, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, Olga. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I am Monica Phillips. I'm the president and founder of Sparkplug Labs, and I'm an executive leadership coach working on mental fitness and well-being. You had adventures in law, and now you have adventures in mental fitness and executive coaching. So you in this very interesting intersection. Um, I find when I'm in intersection of law and anything else, I always have some sort of interesting aha moment. Um, what is your, you know, I guess, biggest aha moment on this intersection? It shouldn't be a surprise, and it's not just lawyers, but most people. We keep ourselves from being the best versions of ourselves because we are afraid. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of being enough. We're afraid of all these things. And what I see in the legal industry is that often uh, lawyers are hyperachievers, uh, which is, you know, on the on the sage positive side. This is very driven, pragmatic, adaptable, goal oriented person, right? Also very hyper rational, um, capable of very deep insights, and uh, focused on understanding through objective analysis. That's very typical, right? Controller, very confident, action-oriented, decisive. These can be very good, except that what we see is we see the saboteur side. We see ourselves getting in our own way because we are um, telling ourselves that we have to push ourselves for more. We have to we have to control more. If things aren't in control, we are going to um, be out of control. And those things get in our way. I find it very interesting the combination of fear and rational in one person, how it can even coexist and reconcile in one's mind. And I, I see it all the time. Let's talk about you mentioned saboteurs. What are the top saboteurs when it comes to lawyers? So hyperachiever, like I said, hyperrational and controller. And those are what I see most often in big law firms. Um, interestingly enough, when I've done this in um, with in-house counsel teams, I see pleaser in the top three. And um, pleaser is someone who does everything for everyone else and then kind of resents that they've given away all of their power. Um, so imagine not being in control of your calendar, people putting on meetings, right? Getting thrown into meetings from 4 a.m. until 11 p.m. because you're you know, working in a multinational overseeing multiple time zones and you give away all of your power. And then at the end of the day, you're like, well, what about what about me? And they talk about well-being and when am I supposed to do that? So I suppose pandemic doesn't help with any of it, or does it? I mean, I I see the silver linings for sure. I think that for people who are using this opportunity to gain mental fitness, to gain control of their minds, it can be incredibly helpful. For those who are focused on the fear uh, of all the things that might happen of dying, that's where we can get in trouble. Funny that you mentioned that, you know, you tend to see um, sort of the pleaser on the in-house. Um, and I guess maybe uh, they sort of, they maybe hyper achiever uh, on, on the law firm side. But I do think that what both the law firm and, and, and in-house, I think what most lawyers have in common is this, I call it control enthusiasm. <laughs> um, that's a more positive term for, um, you know, uh, for other ways to express uh, control issues. Well, so think of the saboteur as a way of coming into, like expressing 
your uh, biggest fears. And so maybe you're a really happy, even keel, calm, clear-headed person, full of innovation, welcoming everyone in, everything is possible, and then something derails you. And you're gonna go to this reaction that is triggered in your mind. And so for me, when I get triggered with toxicity, I go to pleaser mode. I wanna keep everyone happy, I wanna keep the calm, I wanna you know, bring it down. Others might go to hyperachiever mode. Okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm gonna step it up, I'm gonna crank it out, I'm gonna push everyone so hard, we're gonna do more. We have to get to more, we're losing profits, we have to get to more. So there, everyone has a way of dealing with these stressful situations that's different. Uh, for me, I also have a, a bit of a controller saboteur. I like order, I am very decisive. I will, um, I'm very straightforward. I find that when it comes to, we often hurt the people closest to us. So with my 12 year old and COVID, this did not work well. <laughs> I was at home with a 12 year old trying to control everything and I can't do that. And you oh, know what's the irony? You discovered the boundaries of controlling the 12 year old. <laughs> yes, and this is the power of being mentally fit when we can see the child in each of us and we can see the child in someone else. Why am I gonna tell someone how stupid they are, how crappy they are, how awful that is? But we, we berate ourselves, we do this to ourselves, we do it to people on our team, maybe not with those words, but that's not gonna make friends. It's not gonna influence anyone. Very interesting. So before we talk about kind of how to maybe address this, let's talk about how those, um, I guess, you know, range between pleaser to hyperachiever to control enthusiast how does it uh, affect productivity how does it affect daily interactions how does it affect this um, interesting um, you know working during covid environment so i've been trained uh, on positive intelligence with shirzad shamin and his team shirzad shamin is a best-selling author of the book positive intelligence a lecture at stanford Ultimately, we all have the judge when we're judging ourselves, we're judging others, judging our circumstances. And then these nine saboteurs. I've mentioned hyperachiever, hyperrational controller. There's also hypervigilant. Everyone has a range of one of these pleasers show up at different times. Some people have all of them um, that can be expressed at different times depending on the stressful situation. And, uh, and so we look at how those are impacting us, our performance, our relationships, our well-being. Uh, are we sleeping? Are we eating well? Are we making the right choices? And then uh, taking a, what I call a brain break, really stopping what we're doing. It's like um, if you yell at a child, that never helps. And then you know what? We walk away feeling bad. So it's can you mm -hmm. stop, take a breath and go, okay, what am I feeling here? What am I noticing? And ultimately, it's the sense of being with ourselves and noticing. So you mentioned this thing called brain break. I've heard you talk to me about it a few times. Um, I find this term very fascinating. Tell, tell me what it means and how you, how you think about it. Well, I have one on YouTube in case anyone wants to check out my YouTube channel and try it. Uh, I, when I'm with clients, I make them up on my own, depending on what the people in the room are experiencing. Uh, it can be as simple as closing your eyes, noticing your breath, because our breath is autonomic, right? It happens no matter what, but when we notice it, we can shift it. We can, uh, you know, the idea, um, planting a seed, like the idea of breathing into your toes. Like we don't actually breathe into our toes, but you can feel the energy shift when, when I say that. And then just like kind of just gently feeling your fingers. 
uh, gently feeling your body, coming up with a mantra and then allowing that mantra to be said as you breathe in, you know, I am love, I am peace, I am productivity, I am profits, I am kind, whatever that thing is that you want for the day. And then to allow it, to allow space for it. I mean, most often it's pausing and then noticing even like, um, because I'm a yoga teacher, my yoga mentor will say, you know, notice, are you stepping in because of a habit or are you stepping in because you need to? So often we wake up, we do things because we have these habits of doing things, but they don't serve us. So then it's, oh, what am I noticing about this? Would I be better served by a different habit? Uh, and so um, that's that's how we can you know help shift that energy. Um, there's an Aristotle quote, uh, what is it? We are um, what we repeatedly do. So excellence then is not an act, but a habit. So think of that. If we are the sum of our habits, right? If we are the sum of the people we spend the most time with, how are we creating that? And think of this like in terms of innovation, belonging, how are we creating space for people if we've never met them? How does this connect to performance? Uh, there, there may be a fact in the way you feel and how you sort of live with yourself, but how does it ultimately affect performance? So someone who has a hyperachiever tendency, who's really driven and pragmatic, is going to be a great leader when they are in this stage mode, when they are in control of their mind and their actions. When they are not, when they're in the saboteur mode, they're going to create a team full of negative energy. They're going to be barking orders, yelling, not, you know, nothing's ever enough. They're not even going to stop to celebrate their big win. They're going to notice it and then, we, okay, what's next? What else do we have? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you in the office? Why aren't you working more? You're at home with kids. I don't think you're getting anything done. You know, and so this unnecessary stress on everyone on the team, you can hear it in my voice, right? It creates chaos. Instead, there's a way to shift to what would make you successful here? How can I create structure that would allow you to be more engaged with what we're working on? How can I use words that are kind and allow you into this room? It, it sounds like there is a test. Would this work on my 12-year-old? It is incredibly powerful to use this framework with kids because, well, as a parent, I notice really quickly then, how does this, what does this mean for the workplace. How do we, would we say that to a 12 year old? And if not, why would we say it to someone on our team? That's maybe a very useful way to filter uh, some of the things that sometimes spontaneously come out of our mouths. I want to shift our conversation a little bit to excuses, because the one thing that I know rational people are good at is coming up with explanations and excuses and, uh, and ultimately continuing the habits that may not serve them. So how do you how do you, how do you call yourself out or 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 how how do you do the reality check so that you one recognize that you're you're doing it and two then that make a mental shift uh, toward better well being and productivity and ultimately um, getting along with yourself with others and your twelve year old. Yeah, <laughs> often we feel it. I hope, hopefully, you know, we feel that we're living out of alignment with our values. So I start with values and I say, you know, what is it that you want in your life? How do you want people to see you? How do you want people to describe you? Is that happening with the actions you're taking now? You know, it, it looks differently depending on who I'm coaching, but understanding first how it's showing up for you. Are the kids in your home saying that you suck all the air out of the room when you show up? 
Are you, do you feel like you're yelling at everyone on your team? Do you, um, are you noticing that people are leaving your team because they just don't like working with you? Are people telling you that they're burned out and exhausted and, and suffering? Do they ignore your emails and phone calls? So those are, you know, the warning signs of not leading effectively. Let's talk about the, the, the science behind this, the, the science and the theory that, and um, the practical tips you, you were giving. Uh, because, you know, you know, many of us are lawyers and um, it is useful um, to understand the science behind. I love neuroscience and I'm not an expert at this, but I've studied it a little bit. And there is this, uh, it's also this yoga philosophy. So I'm also a certified yoga teacher. And it's the understanding that uh, our brain and our gut developed together in utero. We have more uh, neurons in our gut than we do in our spinal cord. I find this fascinating. When we talk about gut instinct, that is real. 80% um, of the time, our gut is sending information up to our brain and our gut can act as the second brain. So when we feel something in our body, right, we, we say we feel the weather in our bones, those things aren't to be ignored. We can actually tap into that deeper feeling in our bodies, but a lot of us choose to ignore it. So knowing that that is actually real first, that this is based in science, can help all of those rational-minded people say, oh, I can't actually stop and listen to how I feel in my body. That's super powerful. Also knowing that when we are triggered, that's usually like the fight, flight, freeze, please response that I talk about. That is uh, shutting down our prefrontal cortex. That's our, our thinking brain gets shut down and it makes it even harder to work. So we're like, okay, I've got to go. I've got to do more. I've got to do more. And that's, then our thinking brain is like, nope, nope, the results aren't there. I'm not producing that for you. I don't remember how to do that as quickly. And so we get less. And I think like my favorite example on this is, would you go into surgery overhearing the surgeon say, I'm burnt out. I haven't been sleeping. I'm really stressed out this week. You wouldn't want to go into surgery after you hear her say that. And so knowing that uh, if you're working with a team and they're burnt out and they're tired and they've been, you know, passing out at night because they're just exhausted, are they going to give you their best work? More is not better. Yeah, very interesting. I talk a lot about creating space and um, it sounds wonderful. You know, there's also part of me where I realize I and many listeners are, you know, busy executives or rising executives or, um, you know, managers, employees, family members, mothers, fathers. How do you, um, how do you find space? It doesn't take much, Olga. It's actually pretty simple to do. Uh, so I mentioned I coach with Shrizat Shamin and the, on the Positive Intelligence program. We have a, a PQ, Positive Intelligence, an app that we use that's guided for six weeks and helps people create the habit of within 15 minutes a day throughout the day, creating this habit. Uh, it's ultimately, right, like Aristotle says, it's the sum of our habits. So how can you create just a few minutes? Uh, I've heard um, Matt Fawcett say he, he does meditation with his teams in the morning. It can be integrated into what you're already doing. So imagine starting meeting, everyone's rushed, they show up. You notice people are maybe not quite present, distracted. You say, okay, check your phones, turn them off, set them down. And now let's just close our eyes for a minute and take five deep breaths and count our breath. And then you've just given everyone on your team 30 seconds, maybe a minute to come and be present with you. And presence is the gift that we don't give ourselves and others as much as we should. Indeed. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you know, one talk we just talked about kind of finding the space. But as a leader, why should you ultimately care? 
when we have well-being, we allow ourselves to be full of abundance. Otherwise, we're working with a scarcity mindset. We're afraid and all that fear and judgment comes in instead of open-minded and uh, discernment. And so we allow ourselves, it's expansive. Actually, I, I gave this reference earlier. Um, when I was in college, I was a career services advisor and I worked with scholarships and I found that the more specific someone could get, the more opportunities there were for that person to get a scholarship to do that thing. So when we are really intentional, our opportunities expand. We know this, but still we're like, you know, there's the restless saboteur. I want to do it all. I, I, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else. Instead of just sitting with it, being with ourselves, which is hard for people, right? We're not the Buddha. We do. Like you said, we have kids, we have work, we have all these things going on. Okay. We're not going to sit and meditate for hours. We're going to shift our mindset through these small habits a minute at a time. In one minute, I'm going to close my eyes and feel my toes. In another minute, uh, I'm going to just take five deep breaths and I'm going to notice the birds outside. All right, so these small, subtle shifts help us tap into what we're feeling so that we notice that reaction. Okay, I just put my hand on a hot stove and it hurt a lot and I'm gonna take it off, right? We often feel those things, but we don't notice them. So when we can just stop and notice them, we can allow that to shift. And leaders need to care about this because it creates better performance it creates better relationships, it creates better well-being, and then it allows for more creativity, more productivity, all of that. I've been listening to you very carefully, trying to uh, figure out what we can implement uh, right away. Um, and I guess I'll extend it to maybe a larger context of, of law firms or in-house departments. Uh, what are kind of steps we can take today to get to that place? Uh, and become a collection of better habits? Mm, I love that question. One, I think, is to show up with kindness. And so this is when someone comes into our office, or which is now phone or Zoom, and they ask something, and we're a little turned off by the question. We can easily just say, just stop and say, what did you mean by that? Or tell me more. And these two statements are so powerful because often we don't say what we mean. Our brains think a lot quicker than the words we can say out of our mouths. So people are going quickly and they're thinking about all the things they have to do and get done and they want to impress their boss or whatever and they say something and then it didn't come out right. And instead of being turned off by that and judging what they said, saying, oh, I wonder if we have a different view of how this is supposed to look. So then you can ask, what do you think this would look like at the end? You know, fast forward. I actually, I play this game a lot of fast forward. In 20 years, thinking back on this moment, how would I reflect on it? In a day, what will this mean to me? In you know, 30 days when we you know, finish this deal, how do we wanna feel about it? Uh, this uh, can be really helpful in divorce. I think about relationships. If people actually stopped and said, you know, I'm not going to be in this relationship anymore. Someone's leaving your organization. We're going to ask you to leave now. We want to create a kindness around that. So how can we maintain this relationship full of positivity? Like not everyone works out. That's fine, right? But then how do you want to show up for them? The organizations that do this really well in terms of outsourcing keep an incredible alumni network of people who talk so positively about that organization for the rest of their lives. It's really an extraordinary thing. It's not a superpower, but a lot of people don't do it. I don't know why. A lot of people don't do it. They are so afraid of 
their own saboteurs that they don't show up with kindness. So it's just a subtle shift in language. Yeah, I love that fast forwarding games. Any other tricks? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that one. I definitely yeah. do that. that one is a good one. Tell me more. Well, so the five sage powers: empathy, activate, explore, navigate, innovate. Uh, these sage powers can really change everything we do. And so one game is the fast forward. That's what does my wiser elder self say about this? How do I want to feel? And there are all kinds of visualization exercises I love doing around this game in terms of being in the moment. That's just being present for what we have. Empathy is like what I talked about earlier. When I see in my kid and then I go, oh, how am I judging myself in this circumstance? How am I judging my team in this circumstance? Would I talk to a four-year-old that way? And then what's the four-year-old in me, right? That's like putting our oxygen mask on first before helping others because we can't help others if we don't feel grounded, if we don't feel good. Um, so that's one. And then the brain break is, you know, super, super easy. You can do this anywhere while you're walking, noticing all the colors, uh, listening to all the sounds you can hear, just feeling your breath. I um, count my breath a lot. That's something I do in, in yoga. So just closing my eyes and counting my breath for seven in, seven out. Um, and there are various exercises you can do around that. And anyone's welcome to call me and ask me about some of these techniques. And then curiosity. Um, there's this game I play, Yes And. I've done this since high school. I was in marching band. I was a band camp leader, super nerdy. I loved it. And we would say, you know. Um, something about you, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> what, you know, this activity, we'd say, okay, we're going to build a bridge. Yes, and we're going to have 25 steps. Yes, and, you know, and it's like, what I like about that idea is that it's divisible by five. And what if we had, you know, 10 more so that the steps don't have to be five feet long, right? Like, so it's just like this series of exploration. There's no, no no's. It's all, yes, I like that. And so often someone comes into our team, they say something and we go, that's a dumb idea. That's not going to work because X, Y, Z, instead of saying, tell me what you like about that. And then hearing, what do I like about that idea? Maybe it's 90% wrong. Maybe it's 10% right. What's the 10% right? What can we explore about that? And then in the end, you get more innovation because you've been exploring this space. And often we're afraid of that space. Oh, I love that. The 10% right that leads to innovation. That's beautiful. I love the, all the tricks. You are definitely uh, having a lot of passion around this. Um, it's um, you, you've always had, I've known you for a long time when you've been in big law and you've done all kinds of things. So this is not new. It's, um, it, it's been there for a long time and I know it's, it's genuine and very much you. Um, tell me the source of this passion. So I started my business in 2013 and I was coaching a group of women lawyers and one of the, I did a visualization exercise and I, you know, I could hear some, you know, people at the table were less inclined to try this. So I thought, just try it. You know, it might be cheesy. You know, maybe nothing happens. It's okay. I asked them to close their eyes, led the group through visualization. And at the end, one of the women looked across the table and she said, Monica, for the first time in my life, you've given me permission to think with my heart. And I felt powerful emotions within her. And then when she said that, she allowed others around the table to share what had come up for them. When I felt that, I noticed that I had to show up and be all... Uh, all hippie child uh, and use those superpowers that I have to help people recognize that they could be more than more than more than a lawyer. Right. Well, like we talked about on Clubhouse, more than the skill set that we, we have, but more than that. And we get to more than that by instead of being in saboteur mode, 
coming to a calm, clear-headed framework and allowing our sage powers to really shine through. Thank you, Monica. I always enjoy our conversations. I uh, always learn something from you. I'm definitely going to practice this part of imagine it a day from now, 30 days from now, a year from now, how much you're going to care. That sounds like a, a very powerful move um, uh, to perspective. And sometimes we all need it, myself including. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for finding the time I, uh, to talk to me. I, I can't wait to see more of your work to be shared uh, on social media and uh, in various um, places. Um, I know you provide some you know, coaching. How can people find you? My website is sparkpluglabs.co, C-O. Uh, so Spark Plug Labs, a spark that ignites inspiration and leads people to action. And uh, all my information is on there. I'm on LinkedIn uh, and it's Monica Phillips. And on Twitter is Bodega Bay One. Thank I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thanks. This was so much fun.